God. And this one I have looked at for many, many years, many, many, many years, God's faithfulness. And so um, when Kim asked me if I had any verses, I was like, no, but I know the characteristic if nobody's taken it yet. And that is his faithfulness. So I chose Romans 3.3 3, and then 2 Timothy 2.13. So I'll just read those ones. Um, what, what, Romans 3.3 3 says, What if some were unfaithful? Does this unfaithfulness nullify their faith, the faithfulness of God? Romans 3.3. 3. And then Timothy, 2 Timothy is, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And I think that's been the story of my life. Um, you know, I, I asked the question to you, um, how many of you have personal experience with those two verses? Your unfaithfulness and his faithfulness. You know, it's, it's kind of like I had said this the last time that um, I spoke when we had our conference, that I'm so thankful that God's love for me does not depend on my love for him. You know, and I'm so thankful that his faithfulness does not depend on my faithfulness. He's faithful no matter what. And so I'm, I'm super thankful for that. So it's funny, when I started to look up verses and things, I get this little, um, it's called grace mail. And it comes from the church that I used to go to. And so it's Pastor Mark, and you've probably heard me refer to him before. There he is right there. I love his little face. He's so good. Um, anyway, he sends these little devotions. And so he sent this one, and I thought it was pretty cool. The story is actually going to be in Second Chronicles, so we'll look back at that. Um, you know what? Maybe we'll just read Second Chronicles a little bit first, if you want to turn there to Second Chronicles. And it is 2 Chronicles uh, 34. Chronicles. 34. So I have it in the New Living Translation, um, which isn't always what I read out of, but it's kind of okay to read out of if I have to read out loud. So it says, uh, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. During the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, so I think he's 16 years old now, Josiah began to seek the Lord of his ancestor David. Then in the twelfth year... He began to purify Judah and Jerusalem. So 12 years, he'd have been 20 years old or so. Um, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles, and the carved idols and cast images. He ordered that the altars of Baal be demolished and that the incense altars, which stood above them, be broken down. He also made sure that the Asherah poles, the carved idols, and the cast images were smashed and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the pagan priests on their own altars, and so he purified Judah and Jerusalem. I mean, he did a number. He was not going to let that come back. He tore it down. It wasn't coming back. That was it. He did the same thing in the town of Manasseh, 
Ephraim, Simeon, even as far as Naphtali and the, in other regions, all around them. He destroyed the pagan altars and the Asherah poles, and he crushed the idols and, into dust. He cut down all the incense altars through the land of Israel. Finally, he returned to Jerusalem. In the 18th year of his reign, so now he's like 26, after he had purified the land and the temple, Josiah appointed Shaphran, son of, okay, I'm going to like make up these names, okay, <laughs> son of Azalea, Masai, the governor of Jerusalem, and Joah, son of Joaz, the royal historian, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. He gave Hilkiah, the high priest, the money that had been collected by the Levites, who served as gatekeeper at the temple of God. The gifts were brought by people from Manasseh, Ephraim, and from all the remnant of Israel, as well as all of Judah, Benjamin, and the people of Jerusalem. He entrusted the money to the men assigned to supervise the restoration of the Lord's temple. Then he paid the workers who did the repairs and renovation of the temple. He hired carpenters and builders who purchased finished stone for the walls and timber for the rafters and beams. They restored what earlier kings of Judah had allowed to fall into ruin. So, and one of those earlier kings was actually his father. So here's this little eight-year-old boy who has these relatives that are closer to him, not David, who he's doing right in the Lord, and yet his, his close relatives were not. Um, so they had allowed God's temple to fall into ruin. The workers served faithfully under the leadership of Jahath and Obadiah, Levites of the Merarite clan and Zechariah and Meshulam, Levites of the Korathite clan. Other Levites, all of whom were skilled musicians, were put in charge of the laborers of various trades. Still others assisted as secretaries, officials, and gatekeepers. Where am I getting to the part that I really want to get to? Okay, I want to... Hold on, because there's a place I want to get to, and I'm like, I don't want to read all this stuff to get to the place I want to go. Um, 14, did I hit 14 yet? That was 14. That was 14. I That's... think you were just getting to it. Oh, there you are. While they were bringing out the money collected at the Lord's temple, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan, and Shaphan took the scroll to the king and reported, your officials are doing everything they were assigned, and Hilkiah, I'm skipping, and Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. And when the king heard what was written in the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders to Hilkiah, son of Shaphan, Abkor son of Micaiah, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for all the remnant of Israel. Inquire about the words written in the scroll that had been found. So I'm not sure which one of the ancestors before Joash, I mean, sorry, Josiah. I'm not sure which one of the ancestors 
But they did everything to get rid of the word of God. They did everything they could to hide the word of God, to destroy the word of God. But what I saw is that although they tried to do what they could to get rid of the word of God, God was faithful to protect his word. And had God not been faithful to protect his word, so many other things he would not have maybe been faithful in, we wouldn't have known, because his, he will never go back on what his word says. So I kind of read that to jump to this that Pastor Mark wrote. It says, During the revival of Israel, which Joash ushered in the temple, was repaired and restored. But during the project, they made an amazing discovery. While they were bringing out the money collected at the Lord's temples, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law that the Lord had written by Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I found the book of the law. Can you imagine? You know, they're trying to worship God, but they don't have the book. The book. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan. Can you imagine the surprise of the high priest? He must have gasped before he cried out, I found the book of the, of the Lord's temple. You see, Manasseh, Josiah's grandfather, had tried to destroy every copy of the word of God, and there was one copy preserved. The only remaining copy of the word of God had been hidden in the temple. Without the word of God, the people were living just like the world. They had lost the word in all the clutter and damage and neglect it brings. Yet, the word of God was found in testimony in the indestructibleness of the word of God. The word was found in his testimony to the indestructibleness of the word of God. Throughout history, emperors, dictators, and governments have tried to destroy it, but have never accomplished this goal. Why? Because God declares heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Um, the Bible will last forever. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Makes me feel like, I don't know, something you know inside me that says, see, my God will protect what's important to him, and his word is what is important to him. Um, so faithful to, to his word. If you look in, um, that last one I read was Isaiah 48, which says the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And the other one I read was in Matthew that says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. And because of God's faithfulness to his word, um, he is faithful in these other areas. So I got to looking at other areas that God is faithful in. So now I need some readers. Now I need some helpers. Um, if I could get someone to read 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Okay. And if someone will pull up 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. Okay. And someone, I need 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. Okay. Psalms 91.4. All right, and I'll just stop right there. And then when we read those, I've got a couple of others. Because I started looking at what are some of the things that God is faithful in to us. Are you looking at me, Corley, because you want a verse? No. <laughs> <laughs> just paying attention. Paying attention. <laughs> All right, Jane, you got yours? Yep, 1 Corinthians 10.13. 
temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in that place. I know I have, where I have been tremendously tempted and have prayed, you know, Lord, I need you to rush in. I need you, Lord, to rush in because you know that I'm weak and you are strong. And I can't tell you how many times, well, it's not like a lot of times, but the times that I have called out, how he has come in and he is faithful in temptation if we call to him. He will be faithful. Um, who had First John? What does yours say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So faithful in forgiving our sins. And I don't know, think, think to yourself, how many times have I carried around a sin that I've asked for forgiveness for? And I've asked for it over and over and over again. I've asked for forgiveness every time. You know, I, I come to prayer. I said, Lord, please forgive me for this. The Lord has forgiven me. He's faithful to forgive us. If we ask him, he is faithful to forgive us. And we can count on that. That is 1 John 1. 1 John 1.9. 1, All right, who has 2 Thessalonians 3.3? 3, 3? <clears throat> but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Amen. You get an amen on that one? Yeah. Amen. Amen, because... Sometimes Satan isn't even attacking. I'm just thinking he's going to attack, you know. But God's even faithful in that. He's faithful to protect us. And then, did I ask somebody to do Psalm? Uh, Rini, you had Psalms 91.4? Psalms 91, four? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your honor and protection. Again. He's got his arms around us. He protects us. He is faithful to protect us. And I, I think, um, I don't know if, like, something finally clicked in me, you know, and I just said, I have got, you know what it was? I read a verse in Revelations. I'm going to do a bird walk. I read a verse in Revelations, and it was talking about, you know, and the witchcraft and the idolaters and the, all these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you know who else was in that list? The fearful. The fearful will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I thought, well, Lord, don't let me be in that group then. You know, do you know what verse that is in Revelations? It's, I'll have to find it. Yeah, it's, the, it's where they're listing all of those will not inherit the kingdom of God. And one of the first ones was the fearful. Fearful of what? Everything Just fear. Mm-hmm. The fear, I know. Because what would happen if we actually believed everything God told us? What kind of different life would we live? What kind of different life would I live if I started believing every word he says in his Bible? I mean, how powerful would that be? How would I react differently to things? And so after I read that one in Revelations, I thought, I have got to stop this. This is where Satan rattles my cage. Oh. Yes. I feel like I have a dual personality or a double personality because there are times when 
I'm talking with somebody else and they share about what the Lord says and that he is faithful and all of these things, but then when it comes to myself, I doubt. And then at times, not mm-hmm. all the time, but and so um, recently God said to me on an issue, he said, so do you believe what it is that you're telling other people? Yeah, or else I wouldn't say it. Well, then, would it be good enough for you? And you know, and so that's why I'm asking this. Is this anybody else? It's crazy because you want better for others. Yeah, and, but then when it, I know what you're and talking you, about, and you feel you feel that um, uh, the, the conviction or whatever it is that God is going to help them. You know, but then when it comes to myself, I don't have that. I don't think you're worthy. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Right? I wonder if anybody else. Those fears come in. The beer? The fears. Oh, the beer. <laughs> <laughs> and the beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The beer. And Jane, you know, I would say yes, and and it's um, it's not all the time, and it, it comes back down to: Am I going to believe what God's word says? He He says it for me, for you, yes. you know, for all of us. And am I going to believe it, or am I going to let um, fear? I, that's why, like, I've been taking this trip that we went for, we were gone for about three weeks and we went up to Washington, back around and down. And I mean, my sister-in-laws will tell you, I am like the horse, ready to run to the barn when it's too long and you let me loose and there I am running. I want to be back at my house. And I just kept telling myself, Lord, you know, you've got my steps and my stops and, and everything in between and I'm not gonna panic over this. And going in and getting a needle in my eye. I mean, nobody wants a needle in their eye, but I felt such peace because I kept reflecting on, you know, what does God say? What does he say? He's not going to leave me. And I have to start believing those things that I tell other people. Just like you, I've got to believe them. I can spout it off to somebody, but I don't always let it sink in my own heart. Revelation 21, 8. Oh, yeah, that is it. So it says, but, and I'm reading, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. So it says, but cowards. So the fearful is what it says in another one. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, immoral, those practicing witchcraft, idol, idol worshipers, and all liars. And their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Okay, so the cowards. Revelations 21 8. But the one thing I do want to say about that, though, is I don't think it's talking about a believer that's a coward or not afraid. Well, but it doesn't specify. Well, what makes you think it's something else? Because I would like to know. Okay, well, the first part there, verse 6, talks about. I will give to drink without cost from the spring of water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be 
his God, and he will be my son. Mm-hmm. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, and so the opposite of who his son is, to me, is what that second part of that is speaking about, which would just be anyone that hasn't accepted Christ because... They're afraid? Maybe because they're afraid. They afraid they might have to change. He's not. He's not their God. Maybe fear is their God. Maybe pleasing others is their God. Whatever it may be. But I think that we could be Christians and be afraid. Um, look at Peter. But Peter didn't lose his salvation when he was afraid and denied Christ three times. I I agree. Yeah. I agree. But did he do it again after he asked for forgiveness? Well, he supposedly learned. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. for me, yeah. how many 60 years I've been wandering around not learning, <laughs> you know? So I don't want to be that person. I just don't want to be that person anymore. Right. You think that there's a grace for, for Christians? I do think that there's a grace because we're not going to... I mean, look at Scripture and how over and over and over again people have made mistakes. Look at David making mistakes or um, you know uh, I can't think of whose name is right now. Um, <clears throat> Samson. You know? Look at all the mistakes that guy made. But I'm I'm not guess I'm not talking so much about mistakes and, and we're kind of doing a bird walk here because mm-hmm. um, I think that what the thing that I I feel at least I can speak to me is it has been not a making mistakes. It's been a fear of not and then not believing what God's word says. It's not a a believing to salvation. I believe Jesus died. That I believe. I believe he died for me. I believe my accepting him is my salvation. But it's all the other small little things that I get fearful of. And yeah, and that's where I think and this may not speak to that, but it's it, to me that fear is a, a is a, a fear that can almost um, freeze you. But into wouldn't you be saying in that in those terms then that um, it would be your unfaithfulness? Yes. So if you go back then to your Second Timothy two thirteen. He's going to remain faithful. Even, even if I'm faith. unfaithful. So he's the holder. Amen. Right. I, I can go with that. Yeah. yeah. He's nicely said. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> no, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was saying. It's like you can say, hey, Susie, you know, tell her and tell him the scriptures, and this is what the word of God says and stuff. And then a few minutes later, something's happening and stuff. And you're like, oh, I, I don't know. You know, like you were saying, and it's like, even when we're not faithful, I mean, we can go and tell somebody and we're, you know, having them building up their faith, and then in a few minutes, we're going, oh. our faith is falling. He, that doesn't negate what he is still. He's faithful. Mm-hmm. See, I love this, and I, I love it that um, you bring that to the table, that you guys bring that to the table, because, um, you know, I feel like this study that we do should be a learning together study. So thank you. Um, if I can get someone to look up First uh, Thessalonians 5.24. All right. And Hebrews 
All right. What'd you say? She asked. Oh. <laughs> Do you have yours, Jane? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <clears throat> God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. If God calls us to something, he's going to be faithful to make sure it is done. Sorry, it took me a minute. That's okay. Well, you know how that Hebrews jumps around a lot. Yes. Um, let us hold on to the. Um, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he promised, he who promised is faithful. So you know that you know that you know that you know if God has promised it, he will be faithful to achieve it. Um, and second to the last one. Uh, Revelations 2.10. Excuse me, what was the, the number of that? The, the one that she just read? Yes. It was... Um, 10.23. 10.23. Hebrews. Okay. And we're going to go to Revelation... What did I say? 2.10. You know where that is. <laughs> yeah, that's easier to find. So this one says, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you, and you will experience affliction in 10 days. So he's speaking to the church of Smyrna. Um, Be faithful to the point of death, and I will give you a crown of life. And what I felt like with that one is God is faithful in our futures. Whatever our future holds, God is faithful in that future. And again, I I just feel like if he's not faithful in his word, but he's faithful in his word, and his word makes all those promises to us. And then yesterday, um, Cora and I decided to pull up, uh, oh, the pastor from Albuquerque, what's his name again, Kim, Skip? Yes, we pulled up one of his, and we were reading, we were watching him on God's faithfulness, So I just pulled out a few things on his, which I thought were really good. So he he taught on the book of Lamentations. So Lamentations is also written by Jeremiah. So basically, Jeremiah, he's in the book of Jeremiah, he's um, prophesying, you know, that for 40 years, Skip says, he prophesies, prophesies. The Babylonians are coming. All this bad is going to happen. Repent, change, change. Nobody changed. Um, and so then the Babylonians come. They do all these things. And so this is when he's writing the book of Lamentations. Now he's seeing what's going to happen. And so at all of Lamentations, until you get to this one little section, is pretty bad, you know, of what's going on. But then you get to Lamentations 3.22. If you want to turn there. And uh, 
So we pulled out, Cora and I pulled out a couple of good things out of that. So th- Lamentations 3, 22. And we're going to read over to 31. So 22 to 31. So when you get to 22, he says, Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Well, and one of the translations says he's my inheritance, which I like that. Um, The Lord is good to those who wait on him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. Let him sit alone and be silent, for God has disciplined him. Let him put his mouth to the dust. Perhaps there is still hope. Let him... Offer his cheek to the one who would strike him. Let him be filled with disgrace, for the Lord will not reject us forever. Even if he causes suffering, he will show compassion according to the abundance of his faithful love. Um, And so here's all this stuff happening. Then you get to this section, and then all this bad stuff is happening again of what happened to to the Jewish people with the Babylonians. So here's kind of the points that Skip made. There is mercy in the midst of mayhem. So even if you are in the midst of mayhem, you see chaos and heartache falling down around you. There is still God's mercy in the midst of that. Um, And that will not end. God's resources will match our requirements. God will give us a fresh supply every day according to our needs kind of like the manna. You can't gather it all up. You've got to go every day and get that mercy. But God will give us that mercy every day. And delays don't mean denial. And so you may be in the midst of something and you're thinking, Lord, I've been doing this now 40, 50 years, Lord. Is this going to stop? It doesn't mean no. It just means delay. And he knows, he knows what is his time, his way, not my time, not my way. Um, So here's Jeremiah watching for this to come. In the midst of all this, he's watching for God's faithfulness to come. He knows that God will answer, and he expects an answer. And he knows it will be in God's time. And I think that that is the lesson for us as well even if things are happening around us, that our God is still faithful to us. And then, you know, I couldn't, like, write all this down and not go, you know, I was raised in a church where we sang hymns. And so, you know, right away, and I think it popped in your head too, didn't it? And so the hymn says, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee, Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou shalt ever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And 
I don't know, this one just, God's faithfulness just speaks to me when I'm afraid, when I'm tempted, um, when I'm doubting his promises. You know, his, when mayhem is happening all around me, his faithfulness is really the characteristic that um, holds me. Anyone have anything to add or take away from that? <laughs> Young. But it was on faithfulness. And it was so cool because it was like all tied into what we were doing. But it said, I wrote down a couple of things. It said, um, His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Not one of my prayers has slipped past Him. Um, noticed God notices everything. And although many of our prayers remain unanswered, we can trust that in His great faithfulness, Yeah. And then there was a couple of scriptures that um, were were in there for like John fourteen twenty seven, you know, God promised to give us the peace, his peace, not the way the world gives us. Yes. And then it was Isaiah thirty twenty eight where he says, um, he waits till we are ready to receive the things Yeah, I think we can absolutely depend on that. Corley, anything we missed that we talked about yesterday? No, just, to, just again, like you said, um, the not now doesn't mean no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Renee was just saying to Yeah, you, not now doesn't mean, wait. yeah, denied. Yeah, and if, and if it is, then it's because there's something better. It's because we're asking... No, and he's got something better. Kim, anything? Um, I what stuck out to me. I don't know if you read this first or I got off on a side. I might have got off on my own tangent, but um, Proverbs four twenty-five to twenty-seven. Um, look straight ahead and fix your gaze, not looking to the right or the left. I know you read somewhere and there said something about looking to the right or the left, so I went off on, this is just one of those verses that, um, to me, always speaks of my own faithfulness to keep my eye fixed on God through the circumstances. And my prayer that I wrote was that, um, that God would teach me and help me to be faithful to him like he is to me, which will never happen, but <laughs> but that's our heart, right? Yeah. To grow in our relationship with the Lord. But um, for me, it's not looking all around and just fixing the gates. Mm-hmm. I really liked your verses. Thanks. God's verses. Yeah. He's faithful. He's faithful. <laughs>
Anyone want to add anything else? So Skip was saying um, to let go. So when we're in those things, to let go and trust God more. Yes. And then as you let go, your outlook will change. Yes. It's what I'm trying to do now, letting go. Let go and let God. Yes. Yes, for sure. Well... Okay. Well, you don't know that. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I put here that we are doing Romans 3.3, 3, right? Yes. What did you put? Well, the thing that I was thinking is that people people go to things, okay, people know what they're supposed to do. They know they're supposed to take care of one another, like more give this family what they need because they don't they can't live. They don't they don't can't live. But then there's a boat over there I want. So they but they want the boat they go get the boat but they, when they starve. But God doesn't say to do that. He wants you to take care of one another. And so, but God gave us the Bible so that that way it tells us what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So we have the Bible to tell us what to do, but still we went ahead and got the boat. And then Jesus, he knew that we got the boat but still he died on the cross for us, even though he knew we got the boat. <laughs> so even though he knew that we were living a selfish life, he yes. still died for us. He still did that for us. Yeah. Aren't you thankful? Yeah. So I want to hear her say is, even when we're not choosing to do the right thing, God, God knew it. He's going to be faithful. Even, even in. He's going to do the right mm-hmm. thing. Even when we're not faithful, he will be faithful. Yes. No. It is. It is good. All of it. Well, what about some prayer? Is there some things we can pray for?